like having my table so I can spread out. You know, that song is powerful. I love the, where it says, in the middle of the storm, we're going to sing, let our praises be louder and louder. I don't know what everybody came in here with today, but if you're in a storm right now, you're in the right place. If you are, think you're about to go into the storm, you're in the right place. And if you just came out of the storm, you're in the right place. I'm a firm believer that when you're down, you need the church, but whenever you're up, the church needs you. And so no matter what part of that storm, that's one guarantee about life. One, we're going to die and we're going to have to stand before our creator. And the other thing is, there's probably not going to be cupcake and rainbows the whole way through. But because you're here, I got a little secret. You have the victory right here. Amen. I love that song. Thank you, guys. Thank you, praise team. I'm going to go ahead and open up with prayer. Father God, I thank you for this opportunity. I ask that uh, your words are spoken today. Let it be your voice. Let it be uh, your your, uh, instruction as we dig into your word today. Let us not leave the same way we came in. Father God, I ask that we take advantage of this opportunity, that we have the freedom to be here right now, and let us not take it for granted. Help us to take this step closer to you as your word says that you will take a step closer to us. And so we are in expectation of that right now. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. So today, a little background of where this, this message came from. I recently heard a speaker and he, he made this statement and I'm going to read it. If you had to go to court to prove you are a Christian... Would you have any evidence to support your claim? Man, that's good, isn't it? So my question is, could we? Do we? Is the evidence true for what we are professing with our mouth? And so we're going to dig in to this in just a minute. But first, I got a little backstory Because we're going to keep it simple today. I like simple. It, it makes it easier to understand, okay? I like simple. So my four-year-old, Dalton, if you don't know Dalton, just wait. You'll get to know him because he is friends with everybody, okay? He, he doesn't stop talking. We played the quiet game the other day, and we got done, and he said, Dad, I don't like that game because he talks. And so my son, Dalton, he, he's a little miracle, and I love him. And last year for Christmas, he got an official Red Rider compass in the stock BB gun. Yes, he's only four years old, and if my grandmother is watching, he has been safe all year. I don't think she was very happy with me. But in our household, we take gun safety very seriously. We don't even allow our boys to shoot Nerf guns at each other. We set up a target in the living room, and they have to put their little guns down when they go pick up the darts, and they're not allowed to touch them, and we practice gun safety in our home. I'm not ashamed to say it. I'm proud of it because I think it's something that every American, just my opinion, should know how to do. Now, if you don't, that's okay. I'm not up here preaching on that. But my little boy, he had his BB gun, and he loves his BB gun. He really, really, really wants to do a good job in shooting his BB gun. 
And he has only actually shot it a couple times over the last year. I haven't taken him out as much. But he knows he's not allowed to play with it. It's not a toy. It stays locked up. But when that chance comes, he loves the opportunity. And so we, were, we got it out the other day, and we're about 10 to 15 yards, and I put a cardboard box out there, okay? Now, he's only four, and so he can't actually put the buttstock up against his shoulder. So he just hugs it in his armpit, okay? And so since he can't actually look down the side, he just kind of lays on it like a pillow, okay? So imagine a four-year-old holding it with laying on a pillow. And here he is, and, and he's all over the place, and it's close enough that I kind of hold it for him. You know, so that I can kind of help him shoot the box. Okay, that's the goal. Well, he don't like that. He's a little independent and he's a little stubborn. And he says, no, Dad, I got it. I got it. And I say, okay, son. And so we, he can't actually pump the BB gun. So I have to pump it for him. And we go through the motions. He takes it off safety. He aims. Then he puts his finger on the trigger. And then he shoots. Well, while he's all over the place, you know, either the BB didn't shoot or he shot in the field behind the box. You know, I don't, I don't know which, but he didn't hit the box. And so he said, Dad, it's not working, you know. And so I said, well, if you don't want me to help you, can, can I give you some instructions? He says, okay, okay, you know. I said, you're kind of all over the place. I said, whenever you're ready to aim and before you put it on your finger on the trigger, take one deep breath, go and hold it, and then pull the trigger. He said, okay, I got it. Took it off safety, aimed. He went, boom, you know. And, and I was like, no, son, no. I said, you got you to gotta calm your breath, you know. And so eventually he started, and every once in a while we'd hear a, you know, every once in a while he'd, he'd get it on there. But I noticed that he was so excited to pull that trigger that he was jerking it. So we were only, you know, about here to the camera stand, Okay. Box about two foot by one foot. That's what we were aiming at. And a little bit later, he said, it's still not working, Dad. I can't, you know, I'm not shooting it. And I said, well, try this. You got your breathing. And he got a little better with breathing, but still pretty, pretty quick. And, and I said, try to pull that trigger real slow. Don't be jerking it. Try to pull it real slow. So, okay, Dad, okay. And he did. He took it off safety. I, I pumped it for him. He took it off safety. He aimed. He did his breath. And then he put his finger on the trigger. Yeah, I think he did a couple more breaths. You know, and he held it. And then he slowly pulled that trigger. And the next thing you know, my four-year-old, holding his own, you know, in his armpit, laying his head like a pillow, started hitting this box. And we started hearing a thoop, thoop, thoop. And there was evidence in the box, because there's little tiny little holes in the shape of a BB, you know, that it, he was hitting his target. Proud dad moment. I was bragging on him, and I was pretty excited for him. He got a little overconfident and said he's ready to go deer hunting. But, you know, it's okay. Uh, he's ready. He's going to take his, his, you know, BB gun deer hunting. So the point of that is I want us to keep it simple. Keep it simple today. Is there evidence in our walk? Could we write it down? Could we even say it out loud of some of the fruit that we should be having in our lives if we're actually living the way we're professing. I see another little quick story with Dalton, same child. I have two boys, but Dalton's oldest. And so anyway, we went fishing with the youth a couple weeks back, about a month or so back. And he comes running up, he comes running up. He's like, dad, dad, I caught a huge fish. I'm like, whatever, son, where's it at? You know? (laughs) And he said, 
well, it's still in the water, you know? And he said, but then I had a fish, and then I hooked my ear, and it got away. I'm like, what are you talking about? He said, yeah, the lure went over my ear, or wrapped around my ear, yeah. And I was like, goodness, you know, this is a fish story if I ever heard one. And then uh, Jeremy Messer, if you, if you guys know him, he's a senior this year, he came walking up. And he said, no, actually, he did have a fish on his hook, but he jerked it so hard, and the lure went over his head and draped across his ear. Well, once Dalton heard someone else legitimizing his story, it just expanded. You know, he said the, the fish was ginormous, you know, yeah, huge and all this stuff. But I had to explain to him, son, that's great and all, but there's no evidence. You got to get the fish out of the water. You got to get the fish, you got to at least get it, you know, on the shore. And it didn't count. There was no evidence of it. So that's how simple I want to make it tonight. Today. Not quite tonight. Today. Are we getting BBs shot into the box where we can see evidence? Or is our fish still in the water and we just talk about it? We're going we're gonna to have just a little redneck knowledge. That's the way I, my mind works, you know? Simple. So turn with me to James chapter 2. We're going to dig into the word for a minute. James chapter 2. And I'm going to be reading out of the ESV. You guys can follow along with me. We're going to read a few few verses here. We're going to start in in verse 14. We're going to go to 26. Now you, if you've read the Bible, you've probably heard this before, but we're going to, you know, tear it apart here in just a minute. So just bear with me. Read along. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them, any, them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works. When she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. Now as I was doing this study, I found something very interesting in the word works. And just to be clear, James is not saying that we can work our way to salvation. In no way is that's what he's saying. And I like this, my study Bible has this little part, and I want to read it. And it kind of explains the difference in the two from Paul and James. It says, the Greek word 
Ergon, I might be saying that wrong, I don't know. But Ergon, here, transferred works, is used by James with a different meaning than the same words used by Paul in Ephesians 2.9. There, translated works as well. For James' works refers to the obligations to God and fellow humans that are commanded in God's word and followed by those who have sincere faith, a pure heart, true love for Christ, and desire to please him. Isn't that awesome? I want that. I do. I want to have a compelling love for God, knowing what he did for me, that I just want to do right. That I want to do what he says. I want to listen. I don't want to waste a day. I don't want to, you know, take advantage of that grace. I want to. But unfortunately, I don't always. Some of us, if you're like me, sometimes we slip up. Now, is that an excuse? No. But I don't think anybody listening or in here has got it right every step of the way. And here's the good news. He extends his grace. He loves us enough to extend his grace. But because he does that, because he extends his grace, shouldn't we want to try better the next time? Shouldn't we want to actually step out and say, yes, yes, God, thank you. I I want to do better. So to clarify, James is not saying that a person is saved by works. Only faith in Jesus Christ saves. We know that. True faith will produce good works. And James is addressing the problem of those in the church who claim to have saving faith in Jesus, yet show no practical evidence of devotion to him or his word. Now I'm going to remind you today that Romans 8.1 says there is no condemnation in Christ if for those who are in Christ Jesus. But if the Holy Spirit is convicting today, I, I encourage you to listen. You know, I, I think of, of a big plane or a ship. You know, no, one, no plane or ship goes from point A to point B in a direct line. You know, just the curvature of the earth, you know, they would veer off course. But there's little adjustments, even on autopilot, there's little adjustments to keep them on course. And I want that to be us today. Let today be a, a little adjustment so that if, if there's something going on that, that we came in here with, Let today be the day that we let God, because we have a choice, we choose to let God make that little course adjustment and keep us going on that that straight path today. That's my goal for today as we continue on. So the next thing I'd like us to turn to is Matthew chapter 7. If you would turn to Matthew chapter 7. We're going to see what Jesus has to say here. We're going to be starting in verse 16 of Matthew chapter 7. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruit. Now if you jump back to verse 15, he's talking about false prophets. 
And he says, those who, beware those who come in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are uh, wolves, right? Now, I know none of us, I mean, you're in church, right? None of you came here planning on being a wolf in sheep's clothing. That's just not, we don't wake up in the morning and say, yep, I'm going to go be a false prophet today. This is not natural. We don't say that. But as Jesus said, you will be known by your fruit. Recently, and, and, and not recently, it's been a year or so now, you know, there's some things uh, brought up, you know, good old social media. And when I was questioned about them, the only thing that the Lord gave me to answer was we will be known by our fruit. And if we live in such a way, see, we're all leaders. If you don't know this, you're a leader, even if it's in your own family, in the church somewhere, you're a leader. You guys are leaders. You're leaders. And if we, as leaders of the body, represent Christ, allow ourselves to be led astray, By our actions, we may profess it with our words, but what are our actions telling the world? I wonder how many times I've been a false prophet because I said one thing, yet I did another. I didn't mean to. It wasn't intentional. And I know nobody in here or nobody watching online intentionally wants to lead somebody astray. By no means. But yet our actions have to back up what we're saying. Because we all know what it's true. Your actions speak louder than your words. Yes. And isn't that true? So as I was kind of unfolding this and I was digging into this study on, on how Jesus talked about this, first of all, the honoriness in me thought, well, that's my excuse for not eating blackberries. They come from thorns. <laughs> anyway. My wife loves them. I don't care for them. I try to mow them down with a brush hog, and those things just keep coming back, you know. So next time I'm going to, right, yeah, next time I'm going to remember. It says here, no, no good fruit comes from something with thorns. But anyway, but back to the real study, and that's how my mind works. I got sidetracked there on it. But as, as I was digging in, I thought about this. And if, if we were examined by our fruit alone, if it was judgment day and we couldn't speak, now it says that we'll pay an account for every last loose word, but if we could not speak and we just watched our lives unfold by actions alone, like a muted movie, what would be seen? Not just on Sundays, not here. You're at church. You guys, you know, you got a plus one today. You're here. But what about when we leave? What about tonight, tomorrow, the rest of the week? What about in the dark? What about in secret? What about when we gossip? What about when we slander? Would that be unfolded? Would our fruit shine bright? Or would it be kind of ugly and rotten? I told stories on my son Dalton. Now I'm going to tell a story on my son Asher. Uh, The kid is not afraid to eat anything, okay? We have a pear tree in our house, in our front yard. And we have... I don't know, probably a dozen pears that are have a bite taken out of them, and he just chucks them. And he may eat a couple, and he just chucks them. So we have these like half-rotted pears all over, and we just find them everywhere. 
It was good when he took a bite. At least I think it was good. Some of them on the ground probably are not good, but he never tells us. He just eats them. And, and so he, he has these, this, these pears, and they're all over, you know. And then the other day, Heather, she had some plants left over from the garden, and one of them was a pepper plant. And, and he's riding his little bike, and he just stops, and he just looks over, and he takes a bite while it's still on the plant and leaves the rest, and he just keeps going, you know. <laughs> and so anyway, but I'm reminded of the rotten fruit. To him, it was good. He couldn't tell a difference. He just picked them up, took a bite, and chucked them. We are the ones that are seeing the rotten fruit that he's thrown all in the different, you know, under the vehicles and in the corners and in the driveway. And he just, when he's hungry, he gets a snack. But it's evident when I see my son's rotten pears. I wonder how evident it is in my life. Can I, can I see the holes in the box? Or is my fish still in the water? And only by the fruit of our lives can we justify it. Words are great. I I remember a a quote from Mother Teresa, and it said uh, something along the lines of, witness always, speak if necessary. So our actions should always be a witness. And if we have the opportunity, then we should actually speak. Another example of something that I know we would never do, we would never walk in here and do, is in Psalms 14.1. It says, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt, they do abominable deeds, there is none who does good. You guys are in church. You wouldn't walk in here and say there's no God. That would be crazy, right? Your actions of alone, of being here, says that you believe or are at least interested in a God. I believe that to be true. But once again, if we, we may not say it with our mouth, but the same thing. We don't go walk around being a false prophet on purpose, and we don't walk around saying that there is no God on purpose, but what about in our actions tomorrow and the rest of the week when we're not here on a Sunday morning? And we, uh, we have a small group that we do uh, at the McAdams home. And in this small group, we're going through the Chosen series. It's really good. It has a Bible study with it. And a few weeks back, we had this simple question. It said, I was, and then it had a blank. And then it said, but God, and it had a blank. And then it said, and now, and had a blank. And, and we each had the opportunity to fill it in. And so a very quick salvation testimony to me was, I was a selfish drunkard, but God redeemed me, washed me clean, forgive me of my sins, and now I'm a new creation in Christ. And, and yours is going to be different than mine, but each one of us, if you've accepted Jesus Christ today, whether it was uh, last week, today, or 50 years ago, we all have a salvation testimony. And you can fill in those three blanks. I was, but God, now I am. So my challenge to you today, though, is if that's the only testimony you have, 
then what have you been doing with your time? See, salvation is the starting point. It should never be the end. It's the start of becoming that new creation. It's the start of the race. Paul says, I have finished the race. I have fought a good fight. The race started when he accepted Christ. Just like you and me. We get to start that race. We are allowed by grace to start the race of of our walk with the Lord. And so what I want you guys to do, a little self-reflection time, is right now, if that's the only testimony you have is way back when you were saved, what have you been doing now? And so I thought about my own. You know, I don't want to just, you know, I want to practice what I'm preaching here. And I thought, well, I was like a newborn baby craving that spiritual milk. But God spoke into my life. And now I'm moving on to the meat of his word. And that, I mean, I'm just going to be honest, that was a pretty good biblical, you know, thing. I hope you guys say the same thing. But I want it to be real. I was someone who struggled with judgment. But God came into my life, showed me, revealed to me how I was wrong. And now I allowed him to change the way I think. Personal. I was someone who struggled with anger. But God showed me how he is with me and gives me the ability to have self-control. And now, he's still working on me. (laughs) But I want it to be real. I want it to be personal. Because each one of us, a few months back, Pastor Kent talked about a a refreshing story, a a new testimony. I want that to be for this church. Because what's going to happen is, When all of us, everybody in here, goes out into the world with a refreshing testimony, guess what's going to happen? People are going to get excited. People are going to want to come and say, what is going on at Oakton? I want what they have. I don't know why. I'm just watching from the outside looking in, and it looks like something I want. Because we're excited about what the Lord is doing. I'm excited about what the Lord's doing in this youth. If you don't know it, we have the future leaders in our youth group today. I mean, I'm hoping Oakton will be big enough. They stick around, you know, maybe. But if not, I'm telling you, we have some world changers. You should see Wednesday nights. They're not afraid to worship. They're not afraid to go to the altar. They're not afraid to pray over each other. And I think the church could take example of that. Don't let your heads get too big, okay? But it's a good thing. It's a good thing. I want us, I want it for myself, but I want it for us to have that excitement. We, we get this life, we're gifted with this life. Let's take advantage of it. Let's not just waste it. And each one of us is going to be different, what that looks like. So don't think that, that you got to be one that, that goes to the altar or anything like that. I'm not saying that. That's just their example. But each one of us needs to answer, 
I was or I am. But God, we can go to his word and see what it says about that. But God, and now I am becoming something new. A challenge that I like to throw out is do not leave today the same as you came in. And and, and once again, our walk with the Lord, it's not just a straight beeline, okay? It's going to have its little mountains. It's going to have its valleys. That's why Psalms 23 is so important. But it's going to have some ups and downs. It's okay, though. Because as long as we're still climbing, it's okay. Because the victory's there. And I think about that in the valley. I, I can't remember. I was telling this recently. Sometimes when we're in a valley, it says, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I fear not because you are with me. If you look at a valley, is it a straight shot? No. A lot of the valleys I know of, they're kind of windy, curvy, right? And you may not see the end of the valley. The valley may not be evident to you. But the valley, if we're in there today, the promise is that he is there with us. And the promise is that he gives us the strength, the supernatural strength of the Holy Spirit to complete it, to have the victory. So if you're in a valley today, you know, it's not just a straight shot. That's the old devil trying to tell you, you know, you're never getting out. Just imagine winding curvy through that valley. And eventually there's going to be one last curve and you're going to see the exit. And that is the promise that is in his word. And we know that his promises are in him, yes, and in his promises are amen. So therefore, if he has made a promise to you, he says yes. And if he's made a promise to you, he says amen so that it will ever be so. Never changing. I love the fact that he is so constant. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And in a changing world, let's face it, we're in a crazy times. Uh, At least in my lifetime, I think it's crazy times. And I love the fact that the God I serve is never changing. He's constant. We can count on him. And his love is there. So in closing today, I'd like to go ahead and invite the praise team up. And they're going to start playing. If it's been a while, as you were doing the, the you know, self-examining, or maybe you didn't do it, now you're going to do it, do it now. If it's been a while since you've seen some evidence of some fruit, and what is that fruit? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. I think I got them all. So, peace. Did I forget peace? See, leaders right here. That's what I'm talking about, leaders. If we don't have any of that, if we don't have evidence in our life of any of that fruit, and you can't even remember the last time that the fruit was there, I challenge you today to let God do a little course correction. Let him move amongst you today. You have the opportunity right now. You are not promised tomorrow. You have breath in your lungs. We are blessed with today. So let today be the day that we choose to. I can't do it for you. I would. You can't do it for me, and I hope you would for me. But we can't. We got to choose each one of us to let the Lord move on us. 
Let the Lord give us a little course direction so that we can start seeing some fruit. So we can have a fresh testimony. So we can be excited. So we can go tell somebody or somebody comes up and asks us, what's going on? Things are looking good in your life. I can tell something's up. What's up? And all you got to say is, God is good. God is good all the time. And let, let me just tell you about it. Let me tell you about how good my God is because this is what he's doing in my life. As we kind of come to a close, I just want you to know these altars are open. If none of this made sense and you're not a believer today and you want to accept Christ today, come talk to me. Be bold. It's not something to be timid about. Be bold. Come up and talk to me. I want to pray with you. I got a good study. If you don't have a Bible, we got Bibles. I'll give you Bibles. But be bold about it. If you got something where you just want to come to the altars and say, uh, I haven't seen any fruit. God, I want to see some fruit. I challenge you to come to the altars. One thing that uh, we talk about in the youth, and I've talked about it here, is the people who come to the altars, I just want you to know you have my respect. Because there is something about getting outside your seat, getting outside of your comfort zone, being bold enough in the Lord to say, I want more of you, God. I want it. And if we can't be bold here in the church, how are we going to be bold outside of the church? So I I want you guys to know that God's presence is here. His love is here. And he wants to connect with you. He wants you to see his presence. And so the last thing I have for you, you don't have little holes, BB holes in your box, and there's no evidence, your fish is still in the water, let's do something about it. Let's not waste it. We have today. You get the opportunity today. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for all those that are here right now. I ask that you move amongst us now. I ask that you help us to be able to to allow you, put us into a posture to receive from you right now, to allow you to move us. Put us on that course correction today. Let us not leave here without being on the correct course today as we go out tomorrow. I thank you for the opportunity. I thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy. And Father God, I thank you that we are here for such a time as this. Thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. You guys can go ahead and stand up. We got a worship song. These altars are open.